so we're back. Another episode of Post Phase and She Stakes. This is episode 44. Got myself Dakota, Tim, the usual suspects. And uh, we got a guest today. We got my buddy Raul coming live from the six. How we doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Not Happy quite the here. six, but you're you're close enough to Toronto. It's it's the 306. I mean, it's 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 not that close, but uh, we're around there. Where are we? Yeah, close border. Yeah, close enough. Uh, we're so international now. We're such an international show. We've broadcast from England, a little Canadian action. You know, yeah, we get all over the place. Gotta I'm gotta represent, here. give the people what they want. I'm just here to bring some diversity to the pod, guys. I'm just happy <laughs> to be here. Um. So for those who don't know uh, about Raul, um, I wanted to give him some time to kind of go in depth with, uh, you know, he, he, uh, he works for the Saskatchewan Rattlers, part of the Canadian League Basketball League. So I want to let him give a little, little education session for the, uh, the fans. So go ahead, Raul. Floor is yours. Right on. Right on. Uh, yeah. So I'm part of the Saskatchewan Rattlers. We play in the CBL or the Canadian Elite Basketball League. We're a fairly new league. Uh, we're entering our third season. So our first season was in, in 2019, where uh, our team, the Rattlers, were actually the first ever champions. And we got to, we were able to win uh, on, on home court uh, in front of our home fans, which was, hey, uh, which was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, and then last year, obviously, with the pandemic, uh, we were actually the first professional Canadian league to return to play. Uh, so we, we did a little bubble tournament out uh, in Niagara and in, in Ontario. Uh, we didn't do so well on that one. We, we didn't win at all. But, uh, <laughs> but I mean, everyone, everyone remembers the first champions. That's what I tell myself. You're not wrong uh, about that. You know what they ba- <laughs> So basically the pandemic was started because, you know, the, the Canadian League was just miserable and upset that you were dominating so quickly and, you know, won the exactly. championship in incredible fashion. So we have you and the Canadian League to blame for that one. But love to get a champion on here. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, we're, we're heading into our third season. We're starting up in June here. So uh, oh. a, a cool notes about the league is that we, you know, we're a league by Canadians for Canadians. So our, our, our rosters are mandated to be 70% Canadian players. Uh, mm. And the reason we operate typically in the summer is because that allows players who are Canadian who are playing overseas or playing in the NBA G League or or kind of scratching NBA rosters, but uh, they keep bouncing between the two leagues. It gives them the opportunity to come back and play in front of you know family and friends. Which uh, the reality of for these guys is they're all very high level athletes, and most of them have played NCAA and, and haven't been home since they went to college. Uh, so it gives them a good opportunity to showcase their skills on 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 home soil. Uh, and in addition, where you know where the only official uh, partner of Canada basketball or our national governing body uh, mm-hmm. and some some fun some fun things about us is that we end every game in the ELM ending similar to what the NBA all-star game did uh, Ooh, we didn't I do like so our, our our first year we just did a typical FIBA rules 10 minute quarters but uh, starting last year we started implementing the EBA, the ELM ending and people have really enjoyed it so uh, uh, looking forward to to keeping that going uh, if that's the case from the league so, uh, so quick question. So, just so when I turn the game on, I, I can follow along and I don't look like an idiot. What, <laughs> yeah. what is the, what is the target score you play till? So, with four minutes left in the fourth quarter, we turn off the clock, and it's nine points above the leading team score becomes the target score. So, if it's eighty to seventy-nine, the target score would be eighty-nine. Wow, I like that. That's yeah. electric. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know our our commissioner always says that every game ends with a buzzer beater. So. 
it's uh, it really brings more intrigue to those last few minutes. And, you know, I think a lot of the complaints about the NBA game is that there are too many timeouts, especially if it's close down the stretch. Yeah. Uh, oh, God, yeah. This, uh, this completely eliminates that. It's just straight basketball until somebody wants. See, I love that, especially one of the main things I hate, and you are right that, you know, two minutes of basketball takes an hour. You know, it's, they, they zoom yeah. past the first half. The, Forever. The last, the last two minutes, you know, get their TV time in. Now that every coach has a challenge and whatnot, like, I swear, some of these guys just call a challenge just to get a timeout in. Like, yeah. oh, uh, yeah, it, he may have double dribbled, you know, not even close to even come close to being a double dribble. But sure, you know, let me just challenge this so we can get a little breather in. I, it's one of the things I hate the most about the new NBA. So I can get along with the Elam ending. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, from a fan perspective, it's great for us because we here in Saskatchewan, we live kind of in the lake country of the of the province. Uh, or, or of the of the country so a lot of our fans will you know in the summer want to head to their lake uh, over the weekend so if we have a Friday night game and it starts at seven hey you're probably out of there by nine nine fifteen at the latest enough time for you to drive to to wherever you're going and, and spend the whole weekend there so it's a really lucrative time slot it's definitely not uh, you're not pitting in for for a long long time but you're there for a good time for sure I love it. You know, here for a, you know a good time, not a long time. And I, exactly. I care when my when my team cares about my social life. That's a, that's a win in my books. There you go. That's, we're all, we're about the people. All right. Well, you know what? You gained a fan. <laughs> um, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So, Raul, how can um, people in America, you know, kind of interact with the Rattlers and the rest of the teams and watch the games? Yeah, for sure. I would. I would uh, selfishly, I would suggest that you follow the Rattlers account. So on Instagram, it's at <laughs> rattlers.cbl on twitter it's at sask underscore rattlers uh but you know i gotta i gotta give a shout out to the league their accounts across platforms are at cbl league uh you know we're we're just in the midst of free our free agency so it's a exciting time for us we got a couple big player announcements coming out uh tomorrow for one of them and then uh, a, a real big one coming out next week so uh excited to get those uh out to our fans i think they're going to be pleasantly surprised and, and very happy with with who we're bringing in love it good stuff good stuff um then obviously you know you know that league's probably seen a lot of growth because of the fact that you really only have uh the toronto raptors you know as part of the nba um so do that little little transition here to the nba side um who do we uh you know we're halfway through this season the all-star games just ended um you know, we've kind of had some, some discussions about it, but I think overall most people are under the consensus that the MVP so far has been Philly's own Joel Embiid. So anyone have any thoughts on that? I mean, I was Joel, just going to nod. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just nod. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Joel MVP Embiid. Is it yeah. a coincidence his last name rhymes with MVP? I don't think so. I think his life has been leading to this moment. <laughs> He's born, I, born an MVP. Listen, second leader in scoring in the uh, the second highest score in the league on the best team in the East. Mm. LeBron's not looked like the Superman he's been in his whole entire career without AD. I think it's kind of hurt his MVP chance to have an AD out there. And yeah. listen, until the Nuggets are a top two team in their own conference, I'll believe Joe Kitch is an MVP. But I, I think this is a runaway. You know, Giannis won back to back MVPs being the best team in the East. I can't see why Embiid doesn't deserve it. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I for a while, Jokic was, I think, in that. Um, but then Embiid's been just, I feel like, a lot more consistent. I I think, you know, as long as Embiid can keep this pace, he'll he'll be uh, in the driver's seat. But I do think Steph 
is going to keep coming on and I think it'll become those two really towards the end of it. But yeah, I mean, it's exciting. Um, And, you know, part of the reason it's, it's a weird thing going on is because if you look at defensive player of the year, it's like Ben Simmons is also like, if not the favorite, one of the favorites, which is, it's kind of crazy to have two of your star players in in the running for both major awards. Um, If not Ben, it would probably be, you know, Rudy Gobert, but I'm just kind of curious what you guys think about that so far. Yeah, I would not disagree. I, I, I'm being a very, uh, a very boring guest, just agreeing <laughs> with what you're saying. But, uh, but yeah, you nailed it. I, I wouldn't put anyone else in, in that spot over Ben. Don't worry about being boring. I carry Dakota through every episode. And what are we on, Dakota? <laughs> if, you're even, if you even know what episode we're on, it's been like 44. I'd, I'd even have to double check. Could, you could imagine how swore my back is carrying him for 44 yeah, episodes. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, I, the one thing I, I obviously I'll, I'll say right now, I'm a complete homer and I watch Ben Simmons and I'd be more than anyone else, but, mm. but I watched him in the versatility of his defense. You know, he guards guards, he guards big guys, he guards wings. It doesn't really matter. Um, I know Gobert's still a favorite, but listen, we had Gobert. I believe he went back to back defense players. Giannis went back to back. Let's spice it up. Let's give it to the new guys. Let's go to, let's get some brotherly love. You know, you're talking about the best team in the East. Why can't the defensive player and the MVP be on the, the, that team? So I, I like Ben. His versatility is always going to be what I think um, puts him over other defenders. Like you look at Gobert, he's just, you know, he's the best rim blocker we've seen in a while. Um, but is he going to go out in the wing? Is he going to guard CJ McCollum? Is he going to guard Steph Curry? Is he going to get LeBron, Kawhi Leonard? No, he's not going to do any of that. He can, you know, block your shot when you're, when he's, you know, seven inches taller than you. But Ben Simmons gives you the, the um, diversity. I think that's, that's what earns him the award. Yeah. Um, how do we feel about coach of the year? Got Quinn Snyder of the Jazz or Monty Williams of the Suns? I, I, I like the Jazz. I like the way they play. They're exciting to watch. They're you know they're free flowing. They're fast. They're fun. So I, I'd have to I'd have to go over to to them. Yeah, I mean. The Jazz made, I mean, I'll give the Suns all the credit in the world. They made a huge jump. You know, they're, I want to say, I think they're like the fourth or fifth seed in the West right now. But what you talk about the Jazz did, they went from a middle divisional team or middle of conference team to an elite team. They're the best team in the NBA. Uh, They're top five in offense and defense. When you're top five in offense and defense, there's no way you can ignore that head coach's effort. They jack up more threes than anyone else. They're making more threes than anyone else. Um, They play great defense. But this team is just so well-rounded, really good. Um, I have to give him a lot of credit. Quinn Snyder's been there. He's, you know, developed a couple of these guys. And uh, it's really impressive. You know, some of the guys they have out there, like I, you look at the team and I don't really see them as being the best team in the NBA, but he's got them going. I love the scheme they play. Um, so Quinn's my guy. You know, when you take a team that's middling to elite, that's the big jump. You know, you can get – you can do the Suns jump where you're a borderline playoff team and then get into those middle, you know, playoff spots. When you jump up to the league category, I, that's when you catch people's attention. Yeah, I, I, the only thing about, you know, looking at kind of the, the Monty Williamson with the Suns is I feel like part of his success is also tied to the players they, you know, they were – I mean, Chris Paul, like, wherever he goes, he just makes all the younger players so much better. I mean, he dragged the thunder to the playoffs in the – in the bubble and you know it's you are right no i i think that i mean it's completely unfair to to take that uh against monty williams but i am chris paul is really a coach out there he's like <laughs> you know 
How many other teams have the assistant coach playing out there on the court at all times? He did it with the Thunder, and he's doing exactly the same thing with the Suns. Whenever he decides to hang it up, although he's at this great point in his career where he just goes to different teams each other year, it seems like the young teams that just want a little reboost. Mm-hmm. He's like um, he's like bar nightmare, kitchen nightmare. He just goes into situations that just need a little guidance. They need that little boost. They need some help. And he just goes in and instantly makes them credible and instantly makes them a playoff team and gets them respect. Keep doing this for as long as he can. Cash some checks, but he's got a coaching career once he's done. This uh, The last two years has really impressed me by Chris Ball. 100%. Should uh, we should reach out to him, tell him to change his Twitter handle to uh, Chris Bar Rescue Paul. <laughs> Listen, you just bring up when you think the Suns, the a laughing stock of a franchise that they've been for the last couple of years, how many coaches they fired, suddenly they bring Chris Paul in, and now their coaches and you know, in the coach of the year discussion. Uh, all the credit to him, he's really it's really impressive seeing him out there and just willing the, the uh, making the better the young guys better, yeah. Um. Rookie of the year, I feel like is pretty, you know, across the board. Everyone feels the same way. Lamelo Ball. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. Like, I feel like Lonzo was a bit of a disappointment, and the Ball family is kind of a joke because of their father. But um, I think Lamelo has played far over expectations. Um, you know, just an all around baller. Honestly, I mean, he show he's he went like I mean, Mel is a little you know. Uh, past his prime but he was going toe to toe with him and you know given his signature threes and all that like i like the kid i i'm 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 surprised i'm happy that the hornets have a nice nice piece there now so um i don't know if you have anything to add about it but yeah i mean he's he's performed i think better than anyone expected i think the only thing i would add is will his route become more of a a pattern with these young prospects with these young stars of you know, playing a professional year, whether that be in the G League now that that's a possibility or or going to the NBL. I mean, the reality of the situation is the NBL in Australia is a strong, strong league. So for him to go over there and get a year of development when he was, what, 18, 19? Yeah. Uh, and then come into the NBA, I mean, it's no wonder that he's, I think, exceeding expectations. It's because he's been playing at a very close level to that uh, for a year now. Uh, I agree. That was actually one of the things when we did our NBA preview. I said, I, I, I like Lamel coming out because this guy's been playing professional ball for a while. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you bring up a good point. I mean, the CBL is a lot closer to home now. The guy, what? He went to the Lithuania to start his career. Do you think he wanted to go to Lithuania? No, he's like, hey, let me go cash some checks and be a millionaire at 15 or whatever he was to start. I think he would love to go on to the CBL and show his talents off in a pro league like that that's close to home. Uh, but yeah, no, I agree with you. This is, this is kind of what I expected when he was coming in. You know, the guy's been playing pro, pro ball for a while. He's been under the spotlight since he's been, like, 14, since Lonzo and his dad started making the headlines. Yeah. Um, you kind of always knew LaMelo was the best coming out. His game fits this, uh, the NBA right now so well. He's an incredible passer. Uh, he's a really good shooter. But um, caught a couple of his games. I can't say that I'm constantly watching Hornet games. Uh, but his passing, that's that's what really impresses me is like that some guys like it takes them a while to get that good. I know a lot of people get on Donovan Mitchell uh, about taking that next level is like, you know, it's great when you're awesome, but it's the next level is when you make your teammates awesome. Yeah. And Lamelo Ball had just walked in the NBA and he's just making everyone around him so much better. And it's just he's, uh, you know, energy to this franchise that needed it. So he's kind of, you know, I, I don't want to exceed all my expectations. I did think he was walking into a situation where he was going to be able to put up some numbers and, uh, you know, hit the ground running, but 
Um, it's been very impressive. He's been a very impressive guy. I, I oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to give a, a little CBL University plug quickly. Oh. Uh, because one of my favorite things about the league is that it's a league mandate. So our equivalent of the NCAA is called U Sports up here. Uh, and every team is mandated to carry at least one U Sports player, whether that's someone who graduated this year or someone who's returning to school again. Uh, so it's a pathway oh, nice. for these Canadian kids to, you know, if you're a stud freshman, you could be playing three, four seasons of professional ball in the summer uh, and getting that development in and then going back and, and retaining your eligibility. It's just one of the one of the, the things I enjoy about it. So I, I do have a question for you because you are easily the most connected Canadian basketball league person I've ever met in my entire life. <laughs> so I have, but like this, this, like it's clearly become a trend. Like I could just think off the top of my head, you know, R.J. Barrett, uh, Andrew yep. Wiggins, uh, Jamal Murray, I believe, even starting in Canada. Yep. Like Canada has really, in the last couple of years, has become a hotspot for basketball and. I would have never thought that. I just figured everyone played hockey, cared about hockey, and basketball was the last thing that crossed their mind. No, Is I think that... in, like the entire country, I think it's the second fastest growing sport. Uh, is it tied directly to the Raptors win a couple of years ago? Yes and no. I think the Raptors resurgence uh, when they started making the playoffs consistently really helped aid that. Uh, but I mean, we're seeing hot bets pop up in, in Montreal and in Quebec. Uh, in British Columbia, obviously Toronto produces a, an immense amount of talent. Um, so it, it's it's become definitely a, a hotbed. I think it's uh, the outside of the United States, Canada supplies the most amount of NBA players uh, as a country. So it's uh, it keeps growing, and and you know we're we're becoming that pathway for for guys to to play at home. And you know at the end of the day, what I say is you know there's what 14 spots over 30 teams. Uh, yeah. the reality of the situation is you could be extremely good uh, and not be in the NBA just because the, the chances are so limited. Uh, so there's talent all over the world and it's just a matter of, of finding that talent and, and bringing it to, to Saskatchewan or bringing it anywhere across the country to, to show it off. Of course, it makes sense. And I mean, like we talked about Lamel Ball, I know we've heard guys that go to China, Australia, Lithuania exactly. to go play basketball. You're going to tell me they don't want to play in Canada instead of going all the way on the other side of the world. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The one last thought I have on uh, Lamelo, I, I do feel like I'm not going to say he's a better player than Zion, but I feel like he has been a lot more impactful to his team than Zion has been, especially this year. I feel like Zion. I mean, he was in the All Star games, but he's not this this groundbreaking, you know, elite level superstar we've been, you know, come to come to believe. Because I mean, I was watching a. Um, it was like a Twitch NBA. I don't know. There's two guys were talking, but they were talking about like, you know, someone asked them about Zion, like where does he fit in these, you know, NBA rankings? And they started listing off all these players and they got to about like 15, 16, 17. And they're like, yeah, I think Zion's like right in the eight, like he's top 20, but he's not, you know, this top yep. 12 talent right now. And is that a product of the team he plays with the lack of talent around him? Or, you know, coaching? Is it himself? Um, I still think there's time for him to develop more. But I, I mean, I'm, for, for ball, it's looking a lot more promising than for what Zion has been seeing so far. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the hype from Zion kind of wore off a little bit with Lamelo Ball, but I'm not going to crap him yeah. He's averaging 26 a game, and that's, you know, 
he's right above James Harden in, in scoring. So right. that's that's a you know a notch in the feather. But I mean, I think it comes back to what we're saying is Zion was a freak of an athlete. You know, mm-hmm. he's always been a freak of an athlete. His game wasn't polished. You know, he missed a bunch of time at college with or his shoe exploded and he hurt his knee. Um, Lamelo has been playing professional ball. You know, he's just developed. He was ready to take this. Zion had to learn how to do it. You know, right. he's a an athletic freak and he's got a body that you know he can bang against you know anyone so i you know he was going to be fine but i think it's just polishing the game that'll get him along there but with Mel, it's it's already been polished and his game fits so easily into this nba and i think you can go back to what you said about donovan mitchell i mean the thing is Lamelo's making the other four guys on the court with him look better Oh, easily. Uh, and I, I don't know if that's the case with Zion. Again, I think he's a, an incredible athlete and he's definitely dropping buckets left and right. But can you say that he's facilitating as well? And I know it's a different position and, and different roles and responsibilities. But, you know, for today's NBA, you really need to be kind of that, that five tool athlete. Oh, I, I 100% agree with you. I, it's, it's it, the passing with him has really just impressed me. It, that stuff that, like, like, that takes a while to get. I, I know. I mean, LeBron, LeBron, I would say he, he's probably the best point guard or passer in the league right now. And I don't remember thinking that until he got to the Lakers. Like, his ability to see the game, his IQ was incredible. And that, you know, he's always been amazing. But that's something that took over 15 years to figure out. And LaMelo Ball's showing it right away. Like, you know, not to that level, but he's got it. You know, there's guys still trying to figure that out, but he's got it already. Yeah, Exactly. You know, but Zion, it'll just come. He's got to, he's got to get yeah. his game. But you know, he's so athletic and so freakish that he'll be dominant whenever. But it's getting that next level. Yeah, I definitely think the, uh, the experience and progression is definitely a factor in all that. Um, and then the last two awards would be six man and most improved. I think six fans pretty obvious. Jordan Clarkson out with the Jazz has been pretty run away with this six man award. Um, and then Julius Randle of the Knicks, I would say for most improved to the Knicks are fourth, fifth in the East. I don't know what they're doing. They want to yeah. win apparently. <laughs> so they woke um, up. Yeah. Yeah. Woke up and chose victory apparently. Um, but Listen, yeah, I mean, whenever... he's playing, he's playing well. I mean, give him credit. He's been in the league for a while. He's finally putting it all together on a, on a team with a lot of young players. So, you know, time will tell. That is another coach of the year candidate. What Thibodeau is doing with the Knicks cannot be, you know, yeah. just excused. Like, you know, Julius Randle is having a hell of a season, all-star, well-deserved, and I do think he is the most improved player as well. But that's not a roster that's just oozing with talent. You know, oh, this team sure, wasn't yeah. very good last year. Thibodeau came in, got them in the right system, got them playing well, and they're looking to be in the playoffs. And if you're an all-star on the Knicks and your team is about to be in the playoffs, you better win in some kind of award. Figure out something to give them because that is an incredible accomplishment. I looked at this. He's averaging like 23.9, I think it is. The most by any Knicks player since 2014 season when Carmelo had 24. So that just tells you he went to a place where no good basketball or, you know, happiness comes from and just gave the New York fan base credibility and something to actually forward to. So it is impressive. You know, you could put the Knicks team down as the most approved as well. Yeah, definitely. Any thoughts on Clarkson? I, I I have nothing to add there. Yeah, I I'd, I'd agree. Yeah. He's instant offense. He's the one guy I think in the league that I would give anything for the Sixers to have. Just have a guy like that that can come off the bench and score at will. 
I mean, I don't see Jazz just parting ways with him when they definitely need him too. But well, yeah, of course not. But you know, dreamers can dream, right? Yeah, I mean, I was never super high on him, and then you know, this year he's just been a monster. So uh, a lot of a lot of young players are really showing up. I mean, Clarkson's been in the league for a bit now, but some younger players really, you know, showing out. Um, part of it could be some of these teams were were resting um, when if they weren't in the bubble. Some of them took the bubble as, you know, a chance to get more experience. And so it's, it's, I mean, the, the, the games have gone well. We haven't had too many postponements so far, or any real bad changes. So it's looking good. Um, finals are, they start what end of May is when the playoffs start. So, I mean, we're getting there. It's going to be uh, coming up close. I will say it's uh, to cut you off real fast. It's interesting. Like you're talking about Clarkson and Randall, like, I think both of them are kind of putting it together now. And I don't think either of them really started out in a good situation. Clarkson, obviously, with the Lakers. Then he right. went to the Cavs. You know, Randall, same thing, went to that Lakers team. And that Lakers team, at post-Kobe, when they had these young guys that, you know, you kind of thought, since the Lakers, big brand, they're used to superstars. You thought if you're a young guy on a bad Lakers team, at any moment you could be traded for a superstar. Um so it's, it's really nice and refreshing to see, you know, young guys get out of a bad situation, find a good home, find, you know, place where they fit. Uh, Clarkson as a six man and Randall and as a star on a team that, you know, has nothing else going for it. And they're really flourishing and turning the careers out. So it's, it's nice. It gives, you know, shows you going to the spot, you know, your first spot. It doesn't have to work out. And, you know, you still have find find success elsewhere. Exactly. Um, on that note, so, you know, we are at the midway point. Uh, who do we like for the finals? Um, what, what kind of teams are we expecting to, you know, fall in, fall out? What's your outlook so far? I mean, the Sixers are looking good. Yeah. Sixers are looking good. It, it pains me to say it as a Raptors fan. I, I don't think we're, we're going to go too deep this year. That's okay. You know, we, we've had our moment in the sun. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Sixers look good. It's it's tough to count out the Lakers in the in the West, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we kind of alluded to it earlier. How how long can the Jazz keep it up? Will that, you know, maintain over the playoffs? Uh, and honestly, like, I think the Nuggets, once they get into the playoffs, are a dangerous team as well. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it's it's going to be fun. That's, that's all. That's where I'll leave it. I, uh, I'm still, and I will give the Homer label because, you know, I'm going to root for my team regardless. Mm-hmm. I still like the Sixers coming out of the East. That Blake Griffin move to the Nets isn't the most ideal thing for Sixers fans. I mean, they just got more, they got more offense for the Nets. The Nets defense is still pretty ass, but. Yeah, but you know what? If you're scoring 180 points a game, you, know, yeah, you, you probably don't need defense. Um, I'm still riding with the Sixers on the, the idea that Daryl Morey is going to make another move. This bench is terrible. They need some kind of depth, you know, because I watch these games and Joel Embiid looks like an MVP every minute he's out there. He's unstoppable. And then once he comes off the floor, it is so obvious that this team relies on him too much. Yeah. And, the, you know, Tobias fills his role. He gets you your, you know, 20 a game, which is, you know, great. Love it as a second score. Ben really doesn't give you much offensively, so that hurts. But – when Embiid's off that floor, they really struggle to score, and it, it, it's a problem. So that's why you need the microwave like Jordan Clarkson. I think Maury makes a move. I don't know exa- exactly have an idea on who that will be yet. 
I would love if uh, Raul's Raptors would just give us Kyle Lowry for maybe like a pack of gum, uh, you know, bubble gum. And I don't know about that. We could send you like, hey, you know what? Maybe I can get Joel Embiid to sign an eight by ten of that Kawhi Leonard shot for you. You know, to sweeten the pot. That would that has that would have to be so painful hit for him to have to. He probably doesn't ever want to look at that picture. But you know what? It might get Kyle Lowry. You know, we're talking. We're working things out. I'm talking to, you know, basketball executives here in Canada. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously Brooklyn's dangerous. Um, I'm not going to buy into the box until they can win a playoff series that matters. But I'll stick with the Sixers. They have the MVP, in my opinion. Um, I'd like to see them make another move. But I'll stick with them. And then the West, I like Utah. But we talked about this before. The fact that they don't have anyone to cover the wings and that the L.A. teams have three of the best wings in the NBA, I think that will be a problem down the line. Um, I still think the Lakers are the best team with a healthy squad. Uh, Schroeder has exceeded all expectations I think um, anyone could have had for him. He's really played well. Um, LeBron's LeBron, and Anthony Davis is still a stud. So if they're healthy and I expect them to be in the playoffs, I'm not going to go against the champs. So, I mean, it's kind of a, you know, a boring guess, but I'm going to go with the best team in these currently. And then the defending champs is my two favorites. Yeah. I, I envision once Anthony Davis comes back, that Lakers team's going to catch fire and start piling up the wins and climb back up to first or second place. Um, I, I love the Sixers. I think they're, you know, going to be in it close to the end. I think this, this is the year they'll finally get over the hump and get into the Eastern conference finals. But I, the Nets scare me. They really – I, I'm just worried that when we get to playoffs, Durant, um, Kyrie, you know, Harden, they're all going to just be lighting the world on fire. And I think it's going to be the Nets and the Lakers, and I really think – Durant just has this weird thing where he can just command championships. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean towards the Nets beating the Lakers in the finals. Well, hold on. Wait a minute. You're saying Kevin Durant commands championships. Did you forget that we have Mr. (laughs) Potential Dynasty himself? Talk about championships. Danny Green's won the last two. Where he goes, rings follow. I don't care where Kevin Durant is. Danny Green's been winning championships all the way up in Toronto and brings it to the other coast. He wins championships in two different countries, two different coasts. Bring him to Philly. I'm expecting a dynasty. But on a serious note, the most important thing, and is something I'm keeping my eye on, is that the Sixers can lock up that first seed and avoid playing the Bucks in the, um, I guess, the conference semis. Mm-hmm. Let the Nets and Bucks p- fight each other. Yeah. And let the Sixers, although, you know, as it stands, we'll probably get Boston, which is just proves to be Philadelphia's kryptonite. But yeah. um, let Brooklyn deal with the, the, uh, the Bucks, and then let's see how that goes. I don't want to deal with the Bucks in the semis. I'd rather see the Nets do it. I'd rather just let them figure out how to stop Giannis without, you know, them, no one on that team being capable of playing defense. Um, but that'll be, that'll be the big topic. And they are up a half game right now, but they got to get that first seed. If you're the Sixers, that's going to be really important because the Bucks and the semis is not something the Nets or the Sixers want. Fair, fair. Um, yeah. I don't really have anything else to add to that. Did, um, did either of you watch the all-star games this weekend? I watched, you know, I watched the skills comp in the first half, and then uh, tapped the, out. the the Tim Hortons Briar is on, which is a national curling competition. <laughs> uh, so that kind of that, uh, that took my attention. I can't can't blame you, Tim. Did you watch any of it? 
I mean, the Olympics are coming up, so the curlings must be getting legit. Exactly. You know? It's electric. It's electric. I mean, I've been scrubbing a lot of floors recently, so I don't want to say that I, you know, have potential in the curling game, but I'm saying there's worse out there. But, you know, I got to stay loyal to the the home country. So maybe I'll catch a Canadian team in, in the Olympics this year. Um, you know what? I, I didn't – I. I, to be honest, I, I forgot it was even on. Uh, I caught the last, like, three minutes. I saw Steph Curry miss the game winner and then Damian Lillard, dry, you know, go and drain it from, like, half court. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of fun. Um, the All-Star game has never really been something I really care too much about when every player is talking about how stupid it is to, you know, have an All-Star game. And then both, both Sixers All-Stars were, you know, ruled out, like, 30 minutes before the game. That kind of killed all excitement for me. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, it's on the up and up. You know, we talked about the Elam ending. I, I thought last year's All-Star game was probably the best All-Star game I can remember personally. Yeah. Um, that last sequence where they were actually trying and wanted to win was pretty exciting. That's what you dream of in an All-Star game. But, uh, you know, I've never been a huge All-Star guy. I like the skills comp, though. Yeah, I I don't know. It's a very hit and miss for me. The, the game itself was – I wasn't paying attention at first. Like I was, was had it on in the background and um, the first quarter ended and then the second quarter started and the score was like back to zero, zero. And I was like, did, some, did I miss something? Why is it score reset? And I was like, oh, they, they add up the totals, you know, as they go. Um, but team LeBron basically was just dominating most of the game. Um, so LeBron's already, you know, patting his GM and coaching, you know, resume. Hey, Steve. Start teams every year. An incredible GM. The other, well, the one thing about the All-Star game I didn't understand is that Kevin Durant was a team captain. And, you know, he was, you know, ran the team, picked the team. Mm-hmm. But, like, everyone knew he wasn't going to play. And then, like, 10 minutes before the actual game, they switched him off like Mike Conley. Like, why, do you, what, why don't we just do that before? Like, yeah. you let the guy pick the team, he's not even playing. You hype this guy up. It's Team LeBron versus Team Durant. Kevin Durant's nowhere to be even found. Yeah. Um, it was, I mean, it was all right. I mean, I, the fun thing about it is that players would like, I, it was Steph and Dame, like, I think went back to back and forth and just both drained like near half court shots. And I was just like spitting out my water because it was just ridiculous to see. But um, Giannis won MVP and he was on fire, like, didn't miss a shot 16 to 16 for 35 points. Like, he was hitting threes. You know that they were doing alley oops and having fun. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's still it's still like an interesting game. Um, Sabonis won the skills challenge, which is to me like kind of it's a weird like all they do is they like jog through while they're dribbling and then do a layup and then shoot a three. Like it's so boring. I feel like you could do so much more with that. Um, I feel like if you actually tried the skills challenge circuit, you would fall over. I feel like it's something that's a lot more difficult to do than it is to watch. I've participated in half-court shot challenges. Never won, but oh, okay. that, that's oh, a little I'm... harder than that. But you've tried. Yeah. I've tried. I've tried. Oh, uh, totally me. I, uh, <laughs> I, un- I underestimate your, your athletic ability. Uh, you always do. The, uh, the three-point contest was good. Steph, the, it was, I think it was the, the first round, Steph uh, missed like – the first two or three, like the first rack wasn't that great. And then he just like became a fucking robot. And he, he made like almost every shot after that. Like it was, he's insane. Um, uh, the dunk contest gets worse and worse. 
Uh, it was probably the worst Don Cantas I've ever seen. I mean, the one a couple of years ago with um, Gordon was pretty good um, when he got robbed because Dwayne Wade doesn't know how to count. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Onfrey Simmons won, uh, or Simons, however you say his name, because he almost kissed the rim. Like he went up for the dunk and then like tried to smooch it, but didn't actually because doesn't obviously want to get a bit lip or whatever. But that that sounds like something like in middle school you hype up like I almost kissed her. Oh, bro, yeah. you're awesome, man! Like he got, you're the coolest. Thing you've he ever got seen. real close and then like faded away with his face. Yeah, I was, like, I was like almost there. She turned her head and pushed me away, but <laughs> yo, I was almost there. Yeah, they were. It was a lot left to be desired. So that was just super a letdown. Um, but it got me to thinking, you know, I don't know if you guys had any favorite all-star memories of the past, but it reminded me of the year 2006 when Andre Iguodala got robbed of the championship uh, by Nate Robinson. Uh, oh, yeah. I do remember that. That was yeah, good. If, and the funny thing is, like, no, to my knowledge, nobody's ever tried to reenact this dunk that he did in the, I think it was the second round, where he had AI – throw it off the back of the backboard. So he's not even on the court. He's behind. Mm -hmm. AI came from behind, went across the other side as he's in the air, catching it, flipping it backwards while also not getting a concussion and smacking his face. I'm like, even Steve Kerr said it was like the best dunk contest dunk he's ever seen. And that that couldn't get him the dub, but. It's tough. Well, uh, listen, Ray Rams is what? Five, eight. That's. You were already at a disadvantage. The fact that he was he dunked the ball, I think, had everyone giving him fifties. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but that was uh, yeah. That I I really miss because that's that's my thing. Is like I feel like these. Why are the NHL, MLB, NBA All Star games in the middle of the season? It doesn't like it doesn't make sense for one. You made an All Star based on how well you played for half of a year, or half a season. And two, it's in the middle of the season. Like, if someone gets – they don't want to play because they don't want to get hurt. I guarantee if it was at – if it was like the NFL does, like a week before the championship, I feel like a lot more, like, you know, good players would participate in these skills challenges and the dunk contest and might actually care a little more. But I don't know whoever decided that every sport was going to do middle-of-the-season all-star games. I don't know why that's a smart idea, but – All-star break, you know – I mean, I get the break part, but it's like how do you, reading. How do you? It's like reading week for athletes. Yeah, <laughs> I just don't. I don't understand it. But uh, uh, everyone, everyone gets a break except the superstars. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's a, that's a pretty good wrap up of uh, you know a little little NBA talk, and then real quick, just uh, get into our NFL news because we are a predominantly NFL podcast for for better or worse. Um, so we had the franchise tag uh, due date, I guess you would have called it was today. Um, technically, 10 players were tagged because Dak Prescott was tagged by the Cowboys, even though they have a agreement in principle. Um, so that was more so their, you know, in case the contract falls through, they have that to rely on. Um, but uh, the surprise for me was the Bears tagged down Robinson. Um, the, you know, that wide receiver wants to get out of there. He doesn't want to play in Chicago. They don't have a quarterback. So I don't know if it's the Bears, like you said, Tim, when we were texting, you know, his, their way of trying to recruit Russell Wilson to get traded over here or a different quarterback to come in. But um, I can't imagine he's too happy getting tagged twice. And then Broncos safety, Justin Simmons, 
Panthers offensive tackle Taylor Moten. Um, Buccaneers receiver Chris Godwin was also tagged. That's not surprising. Uh, Saints safety Marcus Williams. The Jaguars offensive tackle Cam Robinson. Washington's guard uh, Brandon Sheriff. The Jets safety Marcus May. He's a good young player. And then the Giants uh, DND tackle Leonard Williams. So not too many surprises, but um, Tim, just want to get your, your quick thoughts on anyone surprised that they didn't get tagged or surprised that they did get tagged? I mean, on the point of Allen Robinson, I, I the probably the biggest offseason news, I think, in Chicago Bears history is Russell Wilson has, inten- you know, put them on the trade list. So I think that they're probably celebrating like they won a Super Bowl, the fact that Russell Wilson actually would consider going there. So, you know, franchise tagging a wide receiver that has no interest in being in the team, it, they had plenty of reason doing it because Russell Wilson put him on the trade list. I'm sure that Ryan Pace is offering, you know, Mike Ditka every first round pick they've ever had Mike and like, <laughs> like a life, lifetime supply of deep pizzas to get him Russell Wilson. Um, and, you know, hey, listen, the Cowboys gave Dak a ton of money. Now it's down to three. There's only three teams left on that list that that'll could trade for Russell. Um, but no, I mean, nothing too surprising. Uh, the, the Redskins I thought was interesting because they tagged Sheriff again. So they yeah. continue to be a mockery of a franchise by franchise tagging a guy twice, two different times. And it, to my knowledge, that is the only team to have ever done it. So, you know, they just continue to do things that don't make sense. Brandon Sheriff, I think he's making a ridiculous, I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but he's going to make it a ri- ridiculous number, amount of money as an offensive guard being franchise tagged the second time. But yeah. again, I don't know many linemen that have been tagged twice. I mean, plenty of players are getting tagged twice, but linemen, I, I don't really recall too many. Yeah, you know, for an offensive guard, you know, to use back-to-back franchise tag on, you know, that's only something that a team without a name, first off, and Daniel Snyder calling the shots could possibly pull off. So it, it's just, you know, he's going to make, yeah, on the second tag, he's going to make $18 million. You're paying your guard $18 million. So you just clearly are not a well-run franchise. If I remember correctly, last year or the year before, someone, maybe the Vikings, franchise tagged like their kicker or punter. And I was like, just blown away. Like, <laughs> you couldn't get a deal done with that guy and you, you had to franchise tag him so he wouldn't go away. You couldn't, you wouldn't escape. Questionable, questionable decisions. The one that surprised me, I didn't get it, um, was Kenny Galladay with the Lions. Yeah. You think like you had Jared Goff, like you had, you're stuck with him regardless if you really wanted him or not because you took him in the trade. Like, why don't you like try to act like you're going to even think about being competitive? Like, who's he going to throw to now? A trash can and like, you know, a wet sack of potatoes? There's not much on that roster that can, you know, catch a ball. So very surprising that one of the best players they've drafted and developed in the last five years, they're just going to let walk out the door without even franchise tagging him. Yeah, that's the um, end of his, uh, his rookie deal. And then Hassan Reddick too. Temple alum, go else. Mm-hmm. He uh, mm-hmm. Arizona didn't tag him, so. Well, you gave thirty-one million dollars to JJ Watt. Uh, I yeah, think that, that the writing was on the wall on that one. That'll do it. Um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, Raul, as our resident Canadian, do you have any? Uh, what do you, What do you see? Uh, you know, from the NFL over in that that side of the the country. Who is Canada's team, by the way? Like, is it Buffalo or you get down to Seattle, depending where you're at? Because there isn't really a Canadian yeah. team. Go Birds. Yeah. Like Minnesota, because <laughs> Minnesota's close. 
for for me, I've, I've obviously I've been converted to a Birds fan, so uh, so I'll I'll speak for myself. I say we're few and far between. I think uh, the majority would be, you know, if you're from the Toronto area, you're usually a Bills fan. Anyone West Coast is usually a Seahawks fan, and then uh, kind of the Prairie provinces, uh, that being you know Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba. Uh, you could just split them down the middle between the the Packers and the Vikings. Oh, interesting. Okay, well, I guess that makes. But sense I mean, you know, you, you'll fi- you'll find fans for any team. Like, there's mm. a ton of Cowboys fans. There's, you know, oh, you're gonna wow. find Cardinals fans because <laughs> they vacation there. So, uh, Patriots fans galore. So, you're oh, you're wow. gonna find the the entire matrix here. I've always equated uh, Cowboys fans to cockroaches because it doesn't matter where you are in America. You'll, <laughs> you'll find always one. find some. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently now we confirm that they are international. I thought it was just an American thing. They're yeah, international. It's international. <laughs> God. So, so, got, Jerry, uh, so Jerry can turn America's team into North America's team? Yeah, I, I got a lot of family in Mexico and they're all Cowboys fans too. So I, uh, nice. it's, it's truly an, an international operation. <laughs> Don't tell Jerry that your Mexican family and your Canadian friends are all rooting for the Cowboys. North America's team, I, I, I can already hear it. I never said they're friends. <laughs> Smart man. Smart man. Well, yeah. you know what? He needs a new a marketing campaign. He'll probably need to sell a whole bunch of North American team shirts to pay Dak's ridiculous contract that he gave him. That's true. Exactly. Buy up some land. Um, no, that's, uh, that's cool. I think that's a good wrap um, on this episode. If you guys had any final thoughts or any plugs or whatever it may be um now's your, now's your time hey uh i would just say follow the the rattlers on on social media once again instagram at rattlers.cbl I already twitter knew. sask underscore rattlers mm. i feel like whoever's in charge of the social media for that team does a really great job uh <laughs> and they're always coming up with fresh and creative content and pretty, I pretty, to be, pretty smart guy I've, i think yeah, very, pretty handsome uh <laughs> so uh yeah, whoever's running those accounts is doing a great job. So I just love to see, uh, love to see them grow some more. You know what? I think the same thing about our post-fade cheesesteak social media guy. He's a great guy, smart mind. I wouldn't say handsome, but you know he's got the other parts covered. Uh, okay. um, I will. I mean, I can't let this one go. We've already trash talked him, so we have to talk him a little bit. It's the biggest okay. news. I, you know what? It's the new age. We're twenty twenty one. You know, new contracts, new all this, but Dak Prescott making an ungodly amount of money like you're talking about second most quarterback you know second most money to a quarterback in the league and he's probably a borderline top 10 quarterback at that and he's coming off a major injury just shows that you really don't have to be the greatest you just have to be in the right spot at the right time and uh two things i think about that is well procrastination is a bitch because if you don't do something two years ahead of time you're just going to end up paying a lot more than you should have two years later and when you sign quarterbacks to, you know, team-friendly contracts where you're only the eighth highest quarterback paid in the league, uh, 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 Carson Wentz, you don't want to try to trade him away to another team to enjoy. So, um, Who would do that? Yeah, that was nice. Um, you know what? Good for Jerry. I'm glad that the Cowboys will be paying half their uh, their salary cap to Dak for the next couple of years. But, listen, they made their bed. They're going to have to lay in it. I, I can't believe that he's getting more money than Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson and not much to show for it but hey you know what you can be a mediocre quarterback and break bank you can be Rudy Gobert and average what eight points a game in your career whatever it is and get a max contract so you don't have to be the best to be paid the best yeah I mean you got four year 
for those who don't know, Dak Prescott's deal is four years, under sixty million, including hundred twenty six guaranteed. Uh, Outrageous. Which which kind of screamed like Kirk Cousins to me immediately because of how his contract was kind of structured with a lot of guaranteed money, or his was almost fully guaranteed. Um, oh, I thought it was because there was a borderline top fifteen mediocre quarterback getting ridiculous amount of money. Yeah, I mean, but that's that's what the market like. It's just a matter of that's that is what it is. It so. is. It's it's just the time and place. You know, you don't have to be the best. You just have to be playing quarterback in twenty twenty one, and you will get you, paid a lot. Well, exactly. It's su- supply and demand. You got to pay for, got to overpay if is it's the best product out there. So, I mean, hey, listen, I. I'd like to see how the Cowboys do with the, you know, a quarter of their cap going to Dak Prescott and see how that, you know, works out for them. Uh, I don't think it's worked out for any team that's signed any of their quarterbacks to these ridiculous contracts. You brought up Kirk Cousins. What did he do? His contract, I believe, just ended or he's in the last year. Yeah. What does he have to show for it? They went to the NFC Championship game with Case Keenum, went and broke the bank for Kirk Cousins, and I haven't even come close to sniffing it since. But hey, we digress. Another day for another time. And Jerry Jones continues to make the moves that he does. Yeah, I mean, as the uh, – I mean, I would say the Cowboys are my least favorite team across any league, any sport by a mile. Um, but I'm happy that Dak got his money. I think he – he's he's a top 10 quarterback. I, I would say that much. He, he deserves to get paid, so. A borderline top 10, you're getting paid – the most money in the league behind only Patrick Mahomes. You know, hey, listen, that's not me talking. That's you talking. I'm sure whoever gets signed next year, it'll be even more. So, uh, you know who you know who had a party and celebrated? Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And he's like, damn, I've been to the playoffs more times than Dak. I have an MVP. I might oh, get a part sure. of he'll he'll probably be as high as as Mahomes or, or higher if that's possible, but. We will see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. It's a wild time. It's a wild time in the NFL. Money's flowing. Money's going. Other teams in the league are releasing players left and right to get under the cap. And then Jerry Jones is over here signing quarterbacks to, you know, money that could buy an island. But, hey, here we go. Hashtag money swelling. I'm going to tweet that. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I don't you know. Okay, we'll go with that. Nothing right. else, though. Just that. Just, just it. <laughs> No context, just money. No, no quote teeps anything else. Just money <laughs> swelling. Yeah, I, I, maybe I hyped, maybe I hyped up the post fades uh, social media guy a little bit too much too early. <laughs> yeah, I, dangerous. He's he's doing his best to whoever he is out there. Uh, all right, boys. I think that was a, a great discussion. Always oh, it was nice to get some insight. And... Yeah, happy to come on. I'm you know I'm open anytime, you guys. I'm I'm happy to be there your you amazing correspondent. There we Happy go. to have you. We 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 like you. We need a you know correspondent up in uh, up the north. Across, yeah, you, across all the borders. I'll, I'll bring the diversity, guys. I'm here for you. <laughs> I love it. Love it. So nice to meet you, my man. Pleasure nice to have you, you on. Well. You're you're always welcome back. Thank you guys so much. It's it's been a, a great uh, great evening for me. Love it. Go Knights, baby. The real champions of the American Conference. Uh, no, no one cares about the UFC Knights. They're all the way down in Florida, buddy. Yeah, winning. That's what they're doing. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Until later. See ya. Take care, guys.